0: Hello, hello, let's get right into another KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat, and Docs podcast.
1: Gentlemen, how are you? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Um, Watched some track and field this weekend and watched some baseball. It's been a good week. Doc, how are you? I'm doing well
0: at graduation ceremony. This weekend, we looked at a lot of HBCUs doing their graduation over the weekend. It's historic. uh, It's history of habit. A lot of them do it during Mother's Day weekend. So, great weekend. A lot of work, but a great weekend. A lot of smiling faces. Good to see. Congratulations to all the graduates. That's good to see. Yep. Wildcat, go ahead and get into it and talk about... uh... Rice Owens and Wayne
1: Graham, please, sir. All right. Who is referred to sometimes as Mr. H.I.S.B. Baseball? Uh, Wayne Graham has spent 20-some-odd years at uh, Rice University. He pretty much has made a stalwart of programs from Scarborough to San Jack to Rice University. He's basically uh uh as referred to today earlier today, started an arms race in baseball in the uh, basically in the, in the state. Not just in the city but in the state. That just because of what he done he had he's done at all three places. Uh, he started setting up his program back in the early sixties, uh at Scarborough, putting a plan together since by trial and error and then Forging that plan ahead to, and taking it over to San Jack, where he won five national championships, where pretty much uh, the folks at Grand, uh, Grand Junction were, didn't want to see them on a regular basis. They were tired of looking at him. And when he finally left to go to Rice, they just figured, okay, now the rest of us got a chance. And that didn't happen for a while just because of what was left, the program that was left in place and the players that were feeding into it. And when he got over to Rice, he basically, I remember the day that he got introduced, there were some folks that were questioning whether he was the right guy as far as taking a competitive. This is the fact that he had come from a high school, the JUCO route, and now uh, he was on the next level, which was four-year institutions, and he was coaching in the Southwest Conference, which, as we all know, you know, during the... uh, Early uh, during Rice's tenure—I mean, not Rice's—but the tenure of the Southwest Conference, Texas was pretty much the uh, standard of where you wanted to be as far as baseball, winning championships, and all. But Coach Graham put it all together, started putting it together by uh, using the uh, Houston area kids, and that's what pretty much made him who he was, and what made the Rice University, uh, Rice University baseball program what it was. Was getting kids out of the area and not having to go. It was not having to go um, across the, around the country, or around the state, to pick up and get what he needed. The one thing he was especially at uh, on a regular basis during that uh, during his tenure there has been developing uh, pitches, uh, and using pitches to take the program to where they needed to go, which was, as they say, the uh, crown and glory, going on the road to Omaha. He made seven trips, one national championship in 2003, and in the process, he had he's had two national players of the year, uh, Lance Berkman and Jose Rendon, uh, HISD product from Lamar. Uh, so today, this weekend, uh, even though it was, this, this is where the program has gotten to just because of, the players that are coming in now his, uh, that are in the program, they're good to go, but um, it's not the, they're not the same. But the one thing that they all talked about today, well, actually this weekend, especially the things of what it's been like to be around him these four years to graduate and what he's done to teach them to grow up to be men, citizens and not just a uh baseball player or a student at rice. And they all pretty much uh basis talked about the same thing and he didn't want to, you know, belinger on, on what he's meant to the program, but as you talk to a couple of the uh fans and the uh alumni, when they stood around at the end of the game and looked around at uh wrestling park, it's pretty much Told the tale of what his legacy has been and what he's done, as far as you know, putting putting it all together. And he'll be sorely missed. He talked about he talked to, uh, about about uh, writing a book sometime in the near future. But he uh, <laughs> one thing he mentioned, he kind of laughed about it. He said it, it might take me a while, but I hope it doesn't, just because I'm I'm going to approach it approach writing a book the same way I approach baseball. That's with a, a certain focus and a certain standard. And in the process, he hopes to, he said he hopes to get it done before, you know, his, his days in. We kind of, like, talked about a lot of things, uh, like I mentioned in the uh, uh, text that I sent you all the other night, about him growing up here in the city of Houston, attending Sherman Elementary. Um uh, Right, because he grew up in the area around Jensen and Lorraine during his uh his early years. He's a true HISD guy. He started working as a a bagger at Wine Garden on uh Lounge uh in Denver Harbor, across from uh high um uh middle school, well it was junior high school at that time, and uh, he talked about going. moving uh that he and his family moving toward uh, closer to Reagan High School because his dad was an elder in the church. And they offered him a a better home situation uh, for the family. So that's how he ended up at Reagan. But he talked about, you know, with all the trophies and all he's won, the main thing has been the kids, you know, developing those guys and all over the years. And he said it was so many. and He talks sort of like uh, Coach Cards. So many kids are come to the program, and the fact that uh, it wasn't about the trophies, it was more so about you know developing those guys as as men, more than anything. And he's happy to see you know it all going on. Uh, he's hoping to see it you know going on in front of him, and he's hoping that uh, the program continues to set a standard and to get another opportunity to go to Omaha. You know, and know, when the guys are talking about the players, what they were talking, they, they're gonna try this weekend. They're gonna uh the tournament starts in two weeks and hopefully they can get there. But it's it's gonna be it'll be if they don't make the tournament, it'll be the first time in I'd say twenty it's in twenty five or twenty seven years. That they have not made, well, 21 years, I think it is, uh, because they didn't, they didn't start making it going to the, uh, to the tournament. Excuse me, fellas. Until Coach Wayne Graham got there. And it'll be, uh, um, interesting how next week goes. They've got that Tuesday night game against U of H. and then next weekend, series, the Tennessee Conference, I think at uh, FIU. And with that, fellas, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, oh, and by the way, Doc, you to be con- congratulated. It was good to see Fred, you, softball team, win this past weekend. It was – I kind of – I watched the – That's a hell of a the story there, man. Online. <clears throat> Dude, I didn't know – That's a long
0: time. Six trade elimination games. They won on the loser's bracket six straight elimination games that they that they had to win to win the Swap Championship. Is that correct, Doc? Yeah, before we get into that, because I think it's a great story, so I want to spend a little time on it. But I do want to have a follow-up for our listeners in terms of grant. And this is just uh, one of those philosophical questions I have for you, Wildcat. Um, obviously, Rice is not, uh, has kind of declined to some degree in terms of what they've done in baseball. Uh, obviously, Graham should be honored, and I agree that they actually gave him the time that was necessary for him to go out on his own solution in regards to the heights that he took Rice baseball, including the national championship several years ago now. But uh, did he stay too long from the standpoint of Bryce moving forward? Uh, do they have the ability uh, to get a guy uh, that can take them back uh, to where they were uh, in terms of consistency of playing, uh, not only for conference championships but uh, super regionals and, therefore, uh, a bid to get to Omaha. Do you think that program still has the lust necessary to go get a coach that can do that? Obviously, the program at Rice, academically, you would think that there's still some students that would have some interest in terms of getting the educational components done there. But uh, what about baseball? Can they regain that, that focus, not focus, I'm sorry, but the, the success that they had at the height of their ground there? Grand there?
1: Well, the one thing that's working in our favor right now is they still have the, the facilities and all available. Um, the next thing is, and uh, and this is just my observation, <laughs> Over over a period period of time, uh, staffing Uh, everybody that he's that has come through the program over the last uh, up until about five years ago, guys left Rice as assistant coaches and became head coaches elsewhere. Those guys were his recruiters, but the one thing that they that that staff did better than anybody else in the area. And I, it, it took me a while to actually notice this, and it took me going to Omaha a couple of times to actually pay attention to it. They were able to find pitchers that were uh, good hitters, and also guys that could could pitch on twice a week. Uh, most people, well, Doc, you probably do because you follow baseball a lot bit more than uh, KG does. You know, you probably understand when I say this phrase of. Friday pitching, because uh, Coach Rob and I talked about that uh, the other week on the, in his interview. Most people don't get that your Friday night guy on any level can go twice in one week just to the fact that on Friday he knows, the, the pitcher knows, he's going to be the person that's going to be stepping out on the mound with the ball in his hand, and he's going to take him to uh, as far as he can go. And usually that guy can go a couple of, uh, six to seven plus innings with not a lot of issues, especially early on in the season. Um, and they don't wear it out. They can, they face whatever's going, whatever's going on in front of them. And if he knows, he figures out that, okay, I don't have a good defense behind me, so I got to pretty much take it upon myself to get it done on the mound. But also, Friday guy has a good rapport with the catcher that's catching, and in the process, you must have an everyday catcher. During the days that Rice was going to the uh, to Omaha on a regular basis, they had a, an everyday catcher, and that guy could catch everybody that's in the bullpen, everybody that was starting. It didn't matter whatever those guys were throwing. Up, down, inside out, to catch you could catch. And I think, well, not so much. I think I'm pretty sure this is what's going to be required of the next coach. Um, the head guy is going to be the face of the program, but the staffing will be responsible for player development on the next level, player recruiting and guys not using rice as rice a scholarship offer as a way of getting into the league quicker or getting drafted and then not developing once they get those uh once they get get going cuz you can meander around in the minor league ball for a lot of years and never get a phone call even though it's a developmental league. If you're going to make the decision to go, go out of high school. Go out of high school. Don't wait. Don't be caught in a situation where you, because the way the CBA is set up in Major League Baseball, if you don't take this jump and you head off to college, that's three years down the road before you make your name and you go back into the hat. So don't wait on it. If you don't just make a decision to go, go. Don't meander around. Don't play around with it. Take off from high school and make that move. And yes, Doc, to answer your question, it's going to be coach. It's going to be the staff that's going to set the program back to where it needs to go. They're getting the kids, but right now, from what I'm seeing, that you know, especially over this season, classwork took its toll. Where normally classwork he didn't take his toe, if you get what I'm c- coming from. Yeah.
0: Yes, uh, what me and Chris talked about, get back into the Prairie them component, as you said, it was wild uh, this past weekend as Prairie View went, won six straight elimination games to get it done. They literally lost the opening round game and then went into – The loser bracket is a double elimination format that you see for baseball and softball during the tournament. So they fall all the way through, but they ultimately won five games uh, over the last few days, including three on Saturday when they ultimately got the championship. They started off defeating uh, their rival in Texas Southern University that won last year's championship and come from behind fashion to get it done in that matchup. Then they had the first of the championship game, where Alabama State came out of the, it was in the uh, undefeated bracket, so they literally had to lose two games on Saturday to get it done. Uh, they jumped out Prairie View did jumped out on Alabama State in terms of the game one, and held on to defeat them five to three in that matchup to force the winner take all game where Prairie M had to come from behind any, the second championship game uh, to win as they went down early in that matchup 3-0 and actually didn't get on the board until the fifth inning to tie the three and then got a big win uh, in later part of the uh, last inning in the seventh. Go 4-3 and then uh, first three batters essentially went 1-2-3 in the top of the seventh to finally get it done. This is the first championship for Prairie View since 1998, 20 years ago. Uh, so a lot of kudos for a lot of players to get it done. They got it done only with two seniors playing that game. You had the MVP, which is Alicia, excuse me, Larissa Hernandez, uh, which was SWAT Softball Tournament, most valuable player, uh, getting it done in style. So a lot of credit to the players, coaches, uh, doing a lot of things to get it done. In this matchup, they fought off uh, Texas Southern and Alabama State, winner of like the last five championships or so in the SWAC. So they took out the best two teams, and this is a team in a lot of people's mind that was actually a year ahead of schedule to get it done. But you certainly want to take those championships when you have an opportunity. With that, all tournament players, as you know, are stacked with Prairie View. Show you how solid they were. Told you about – Larissa Hernandez, who was also, as, as I said, the MVP of the tournament. you have had Crystal Castillo, getting it done, Destiny Williams, and Kyler Ward Flowers, Doc, a pretty game, yeah. Doc, do you have their positions for those three players? Uh, not right here in front of me, but I certainly can, can get those. Okay. Uh, but as, as you dig that up, i go with the Alabama State players, Charlene Castro, Casey Durham, uh, as well as Justin Jean. And Texas Southern put two on the team with uh, Cabernet Tate and Julia Bilbo. Uh, in regards to those players, they're getting it done, representing uh, all tournament teams for those teams that, that uh, made it to Saturday round deep into the tournament. Not to be outdone, you had Tiana Sanders from Alabama AM, Haleen Moody from Arkansas Pondler, and Jasmine Dukes from Southern uh, playing some outstanding softball over the weekend. So it was really fascinating in terms of what uh, Prairie A&M got it done. Uh, this was amazing in a lot of ways because you're talking about Prairie View, uh, first time under VP of Intercleasion Athletics. You had Ashley Robinson winning a uh, championship he's up to three, which means he has more than his rival across town, Texas Southern University, which he's been chasing as they seem to have coming closer as he got it done a little earlier, getting a uh, championship in the end. This was the third championship in six days, literally, as they won the men's outdoor slack championship that was that they <laughs> were hosting at home on the men's side to get it done. Um, so, Prairie A and m kudos for all involved uh, getting it done in terms of that. Did you get those positions? Yeah, Larissa Hernandez is an infielder. Crystal Castillo is, this is weird, it doesn't say on the bio. This says custom, uh, That must be a typo on the website. This says RR, She's right-handed hitter. And pitcher, but that doesn't give me a position though. So um, Destiny Williams is an infielder. So let's see if I can pull up a roster for for the softball team here and see. You may have you may have in all tournaments as a pitcher. Let's see, Crystal. Also, as you digging that up, wanted to give kudos for me. Yeah, she's a pitcher. Yeah, she's a pitcher. Tournament, tournament, which was uh, Bethune Cookman. So Castillo is a pitcher. I thought so. Five foot three. That's a short pitcher. the Larissa, Larissa, is, Larissa is five on. foot ten. So Larissa is a five foot ten infielder. Looking at the press release, she had a heck of a uh, tournament. She went ten with twenty one and had ten RBIs. So it makes back. sense. You was big bat. Big bat. <laughs> <laughs> big bat. Yeah. Cap. Big bat. That's what you got to do to stay alive when you're in elimination round. Oh, yeah. You don't get uh, because you can keep winning. As you've seen, they played literally seven games over the tournament to find a way to end it with the championship. Amazing. Well, but stick with prayer to you, Doc. Shift gears to another sport. They made the news earlier in the week with a hire on the basketball court. Oh, yeah. The women's side and... I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to throw it out there. I think uh, the higher Coach Pugh's upgrade over Coach Justice. I'm just going to say it. Sorry. No, but- yeah, I don't think you'd have to apologize for that. I know some people may question that, but you look at San Diego's record uh, over almost 20 years at Southern, you're talking about over uh, 10 championships uh, in terms of what she's been able to do really 13, I think it is to be exact. And all those tournament appearances, uh, she certainly has put a resume out there that makes what you said in terms of those that want to argue, argue, tough to do that. Doc, do you know offhand what Southern's record was this past season, 2017, 2018 season? I know um, they were, They won the regular season. That's what I thought. And then they were tournament runners-up. I don't know the exact record they had, but uh, they certainly had a winning record in a tremendous season as they won the regular season championship. As you remember, it went down. They actually uh, had a tough home loss uh, in terms of the second game to end the season to Texas Southern, where you thought it was going to be a co championship between Texas Southern and Southern. Southern went on to beat, to defeat Prairie, uh, which goes back to part of argument In terms of uh, uh, their loss to Raven Justice, when she had a chance to force a three-way tie of the championship, uh, if she could defeat Southern in that matchup, since Texas Southern went to off one and lost that game, Southern, it was, it was, Southern was 14-4 and four in the SWAC and 17-14 overall this past yeah, season. Yeah. yeah, That's it. And so she's been doing it regularly. Um, no matter who comes in, she first had those battles between Prairie View and Southern when Cynthia Cooper was there. Um, then she had those battles with Cynthia Cooper when Cynthia Cooper went over to Texas Southern and in one year resurrected that program to a regular season championship but they fought until the end uh, she was up there when Alabama State for about a five year period um, actually were back in the championship run obviously as Prairie View has got it done after Cynthia Cooper at least in terms of the tournament season she went down to several of those uh, tournament runs uh, runner up uh, so she's always been in the mix, and that's with several coaches coming and going. Many of those coaches that she's in the mix with were coaches that had elevated their program, and those coaches moved on for other jobs. And so it got to the point that Ashley said that um, he wanted to elevate Prairie Viewing And women back to the point where it was with Cooper, and he thought nobody – could do it better than Sandy Pugh in terms of what she had shown she had done. Now she's going to have more resources. Is one of the reasons she was speaking about leaving. And obviously, as he said, he was going to go get her. He knew that uh, he was didn't want any questions out there, so he's going to make sure uh, that uh, the offer was one that she couldn't refuse. And my understanding, it was. I think it was uh, maybe a twenty-five, thirty thousand type dollar raise. Uh, and that's outside of the support that she didn't necessarily think she was getting at Southern. So it will be interesting uh, as now that Prairie View-Texas Southern matchup, a rivalry uh, is certainly between two top coaches uh, when you talk about Texas Southern and Prairie View uh, teams uh, with the coach coming over from Southern that have been in the mix over the last five years. So that game becomes that much more interesting now. Yeah, when I I saw the news on Twitter, my first response was, wow. So (laughs) it's a great hire. I I think it's a great hire for Prairie View. And and Southern, we'll see what they do, because based on Coach Pugh's move from Southern to Prairie View, Makes you wonder how serious they are as Southern about being in the women's basketball business. Or oh, you, you don't have the finances. You know, the finances. You don't have the finances. I mean, you know, it's, that's reality. If you can't afford it, you can't afford it. You know? Right, and I think just a lot of this was the move, in, and I think Ashley put it out there that he knows he has the support at this point, and so he put something out there that Southern uh, couldn't re- match realistically. I think they tried to put a Offer on the table so they could, you know, say faith. I guess is the way you want to look at it so they could say that because some people question that. But people must also realize that uh, Southern had just made the move with men's basketball. As they let go Morris Scott, who was the interim coach. Um, that uh, you're talking about a lot of expectations of Sean Woods, who got it done at Valley, uh, getting a second chance to hit coaching after many people thought. He basically had the death wish after what transpired uh, but when you talk about the general coach more Scott, he was uh in the running for uh finished in the finished fourth but over that late weekend he was in the running to be as high as second seed. He went to the quarterfinals of the tournament, but it just was not good enough uh to get it done and so it' be Fascinating to see you match up with Sean Woods and obviously Texas Southern in a lot of ways. As Texas Southern has been uh, just being able to get it done with newcomers coming in and out. He had Pine Bluff that made an early season run and kind of fell short. On obviously losing the championship game to Texas Southern and Mike Davis this year. You had Gramlin winning the regular season last year was awful and they made a push. Uh, in terms of the mix and uh, Southern over the last couple of years they've been in the mix. So It'll be fascinating on the men's side as well to kind of see what this means. And now you are going to have a new coach in the league from Alabama A&M with a shock for a lot of people. And I've heard about this and actually uh, over the last three weeks that this may be coming this way. And that's the resignation of Donnie Marsh at Alabama A&M. And from what I've received in that is that um, Coach just felt like he wasn't getting the support necessarily to make a serious run at trying to get that program back, at least where a lot of fans thought they should be back in, I guess that was 2005 when they last had their winning record, which included a championship run in terms of the regular season and tournament getting into the NCAA tournament by winning um, the swag side of the tournament under the legendary coach, Petaway at that time. People thought Donnie Marsh would get it done, uh, but they are going to have their second APR restriction from the NCAA, no postseason, which makes it tremendously hard to recruit. And a lot of that was because um coach didn't feel that the financial – support was there in terms of what it takes to help students be academically prepared to get through it in a way that they can uh meet those APR requirements, which means they couldn't let players go. They were not serious in terms of uh increasing their talent and then with since you couldn't let players go, you really couldn't bring a lot of players in as well. So that's gonna be one the uh, focus on because I think there are a lot of people that have been upset with Hicks, the, uh, the AD there. And I'm sure that this is going to make it tougher. A lot of the fans who supported Donnie Marsh and thought it was a good high. Uh, but uh, now we're going to be trying to figure out what is going on with the Alabama A&M program. Which in a lot of ways goes to finances. So This is one to keep your eyes on. Last part, I think you might want to get in a little bit uh, uh, in terms of league. Changes, if you would, transactions, as some people want to say. Uh, You're getting down to the point where it should start to get interesting is July 1st is the magical date for the new SWAT commissioner. My understanding there are about 20, 21, 22, some applications. Six or seven duds out there, five legitimate or so uh, applications that people thought necessarily rose to the top. Some of my insiders are telling me. And um they'll be reviewing over the next couple of weeks and discussing who they'll pull out of that to make a recommendation to the presidential uh cabinet and chancellors if you would, who will be the finalists that will be coming in for an interview. So it'll be fascinating to see. We can get some more information on what that may look like for the SWAT and what does this mean moving forward for the conference office in terms of their leadership position. And real quick, Doc, let me ask you. Real quick, let let quick just so hold, hold on, Lockhead. I want to let everybody know how they can find us, find us on the internet. So, Lockhead, how can folks find you?
1: You can find me online at uh, Twitter, TweetDeck, and Facebook at Jerry L. Woodley Jr. J. L. Woodley One. Find me elsewhere on YouTube, SoundCloud. And blogger Blogspot at AKSVDCSR, the College Sports Report.
0: Doc, I can find you. Yes, you can follow me at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. CAVIL. Again, that's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. You can also find me uh, radio uh, at a version of what we do. For Dr. Visit Inside HBCU Sports Lab, where we strictly just go into HBCU uh, news of the week, if you would, in terms of what's going on there. You can do that at KKBQ 92.9 FM HB2. Uh, You can watch us live on www.ksoh-tv.com. Again, it's www.ksoh-tv.com as we are in the historic KSOH studio every Tuesday from 5.45 to 7.15. You can also catch it on Facebook Live at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D R K E N Y A P T A C A V I L. Uh, you can get some information on uh, THG-agency.com in regards to the podcast, if you, excuse me, live radio, if you didn't catch that. All right, now, Walk ahead. go ahead and ask a question.
1: No. As, uh, are they, is the conference in a position now, since they've gotten some le- some legitimate uh, applications as far as the new commissioner? Are they will they be moving forward as far as moving the conference officers from Birmingham
0: elsewhere? Uh, I think that's a great question. I think a lot of it may be determining uh, who are the final candidates candidates uh, for this position and if they can put an argument on the table of why they should accept the offer is my understanding that Houston still has basically on the table to move to Houston. Uh, and that individual would have to make an argument of why it would be the best move for the conference. In my mind, it's not a hard decision to make if somebody understands that you have a large company. In this area, that would have an interest in partnering with the SWAC, and that's what you need opposed to keeping in Birmingham. When, you know, in terms of Fortune 500 companies, it looks at mm-hmm. attaching a brand uh, to a sports league, and so I would think uh, that's why, in a lot of ways, that uh, Houston would be beneficial uh, in terms of looking at that. But I think ultimately, uh, the commissioner uh, who would be elected, uh, would need to really put that on the table. I don't think the presidents are really because they don't have to go to the SWAC office. So when they have a for at least the last ten years, when they've had their spring, fall, and spring meeting, uh-huh. uh, winter, winter and spring meetings, I should say, excuse me, as uh, they they were in Houston uh, when they started moving everything to Houston, and uh, they would also have spring meetings here. And spring meetings can really be anywhere because my understanding is the spring meetings may be in Atlanta. I know um, the executive director, John Grant, of the Celebration Bowl has pushed uh, to get the track to move its meetings at least to Atlanta uh, to match what MIAC did. When MIAC signed on for the six-year deal with the Celebration Bowl, they kind of jumped uh-huh. all in that first year. They actually had their winter meetings in atlanta and i was actually there for the celebration but when i thought it was brilliant a lot of ways you got a chance to see all the uh ad and they brought everybody their presidents and chancellors. they had the meeting uh swas uh, they brought the ad's there so you had a chance to really get in the mix and hear a lot of good things and so it's my understanding i need to verify this but i think it's put on the table and i believe that the swat is scheduled to have it's Spring meetings, which actually is held in the summer, <laughs> all in uh, in Atlanta in in, uh, in June in a couple of weeks. So uh, as we will have theirs there too, and I, if I'm not mistaken, they will have their winter meetings there next year. Mm. Which gets back to my point: the president chances really don't go to the swag office, uh, period, and certainly wasn't going to Birmingham. So other than that just being the historic place where it's been over the last, uh, what, almost 20 years, the only reason uh, why it necessarily would, wouldn't be moved. All right. All right, uh, gentlemen, y'all ready to uh, shift gears? Another thing to jump in there is just, as we talked about some of these moves, I'll quickly go through those. And some of these we've talked about a little bit, but just a quick update. Just told you about Alabama and him Mars uh, literally as of Friday resigning, which was the big news of the day. But you have Albany Alb- 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 State that recently made a move. Uh, Michael Moore was the former coach, and in the interim was Lamar Corrine, Uh You had Clark Atlanta. These are all on the men's side thus far. Darrell Walker, he talked quite a bit about what he did to resurrect the Clark Atlanta program. They went with another professional player in George Lynch. So it will be interesting to see if George Lynch can continue momentum that Daryl Walker, This is City State, on the men's side, decided to make a move. Uh, uh, John Hill is no longer head of the program, and they haven't has announced a successor yet. On the women's side, yeah, Jackson State, Serena Dixon was out. Tamika Reed is in at Jackson State. She's a former player there. Uh, we had a lot of success at Virginia's college level Jackson. It's interesting that she can come in and make some moves there. Maryland Eastern Shore made a move, uh, removing Bobby Collins, and now you have Clifford Reed as the interim coach. Just talked about Prairie View. And then on the women's side with Raven Justice uh, being replaced by Sandy Pugh. South Carolina State on the women's side moved uh, with Doug Robinson, Jr. And then the current interim coach is Robert Woods. Southern Baton Rouge men talked about this a little bit. as Morris Scott, who was the interim on a one-year basis couldn't find a way to hold on to the job as they have replaced Sean Woods. who just signed a three-year deal uh, that I didn't get into that, giving you examples of what's going on financially at Southern. Southern, uh, because of the move of Sandy Pugh on the women's side, uh, is looking for a women's uh, coach. Tennessee State on the men's side is Dana Ford, who really elevated that program in a lot of ways, uh, took on another, Division One job, and Brian Collins, who is the Tennessee State alum, is in, who's known a lot for his recruiting. It'll be interesting to see if he can get that done. The ski winner recently saw a move take place. Quasi Barnes Tennant, stepped down, decided to take another job, and so that job is open. And Winston-Salem State on the men's side, as James Wilhelmy uh, is out, and Andrew Brown is the interim coach, is in. I uh, to give you some stuff like that. Last thing I'll say is uh baseball is in full effect as you have the Meh and flag. baseball tournament this weekend should be fascinating as you see some of the favorites going in. Texas Southern clinched last weekend, the Western Division. And you had Alabama State clinching the eastern division, uh oh one win over Jackson State, who's actually holding the number one rake in, in the BlackCollege9.com as of last week. So, it'll be interesting And you had on the, in the MEAC, you had a fight with North Carolina A&T and Florida and m going down the stretch and we'll get updates to see who won the Southern Division over there as the Northern Division uh, was won by Copping State getting it done as they clinched a couple of weeks ago. So, now you just saw the baseball, I mean softball with Fred win the slack and Bethune-Cookman on the women's side winning it for the MEAC. Now we get a chance to see what will get done for the MEAC and slack on the men's side. Well, Wildcats, do you have any update on the U of A men's baseball? One of the American? Or question the
1: American no, best, best record? I, I will... uh. Get some information on Tuesday when they uh, have a final game against uh, this particular season and this particular era of Wayne Graham and Rice University uh, out at um, Constellation, State, uh, uh, Constellation Park on Tuesday night. It'll be...
0: Shame, of shame, shame on and both you
1: baseball
0: gentlemen. But- have spent so much time on the Rice Owls and and PV and TSU. You don't show love to, sounds like, the best team in the city. U.S. baseball dog. team, Coach Carl Williams, won the American. Hold up. Hold up, cleared the top seed in the American. That's what I when you rely rely on the when y'all come talking. through here. Y'all can't even come up talking. and deal with Always the best team, the best base, baseball. Base, baseball team. No, I don't want to talk about baseball. Yeah, I asked y'all to talk, to talk about, about baseball. It. I asked y'all to talk about the baseball because yeah, they got success. Y'all are the ones who are the baseball people. Y'all didn't say anything about baseball. So we just, we you, just wanted to see if you were, were gonna catch us and see if you were gonna Oh, I, I couldn't care less. You know, I just run run know through via through Twitter through that through uh U wrapped up uh, the I guess the first wrapped up first place in the American Athletic <laughs> Conference in baseball. Uh, finished, I think last 12, 13 games, 10 and 3, or or 10 and 2. I think they lost today to 18th ranked, uh, UConn, but they won the series, I do believe. So, um, yeah, they did. They won the series 2 1. So, the Cougars 31 and 20 overall and 16 and and 8 in the American. So, they're playing at least a share of the uh, conference title. With uh, one weekend left in conference play, so that's all for my baseball update. Because honestly, I couldn't care less about any of that stuff. So, <laughs> more, important <laughs> things, <laughs> <the> <laughs> more important things. More um, important things. The Rockets Warriors play. Rockets Warriors start uh, Western Conference Finals on Monday evening at eight o'clock. Who you got in the series? Let me give you one more. Uh, I did get the final update with North Carolina A and P clinching the Southern Division as they. have really had an outstanding year winning in football, winning in basketball, and now baseball in terms of at least the regular season. So go ahead, get into the professional level at the NBA as game one was a dud today, but uh, it would be interesting moving forward. Well, yeah, that's Bo- that's Boston and Cleveland, and then LeBron had a horrible game today, game one. Boston won by 25 points. I believe the final score was... One hundred eight eighty three. Last I saw LeBron had seven turnovers and was shooting less than 50%. I might have okay. spent much time watching the game. I, I, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the the, okay. the professional, the NBA version, the NBA Finals version of the Western Conference, <clears throat> the Rockets Warriors, because I believe the winner of this series will win the NBA championship.
1: So, <clears throat> Rockets right. Warriors, who you got? Okay. <clears throat> as far as the time series, I'm looking for a six-game series. And until they can show me they're capable, I'm going with the Warriors. I'm not looking for Houston to win this series. I'm with you,
0: Vince Uh The Rockets are going to have to show me. I think they'll make the uh, series pretty interesting. Uh, but I think the Warriors are playing really well now. And I think the... Season was deceiving from the standpoint that the Warriors were not healthy. Uh, and I think they have the past experience where they could feel comfortable about ne- not necessarily having home court advantage in the Western Conference final and still believing that he is it done, I do believe the Rockets have a punching chance, but uh, as you're asking for it on record, I'm going to go with the Warriors and consistently like I did all year. We'll see if the Rockets can get it done. How many games Done for the city of Houston. The follow-up with the baseball Astros did, but I don't see it. How many games, Doc? <clears throat> Warriors and how many? I think it will be Warriors and six. All right. <clears throat> All right I now. said, hold on. Yes. Yeah, okay. Hold on. All right. I said uh, Warriors and seven in in previous. Really outlets uh, podcast that I had to deal with uh, two colleagues, Kevin Joseph and Juan Beltran, and then I was invited to be a guest on a show in Rochester, New York, and I said again, Warriors and Seven. Saturday, another colleague pointed out to me <clears throat> that for that to happen, that would most likely, there is another scenario, but most likely would mean the Rockets would be up 3-2 Oh, Whoa, I mean, excuse me, excuse me. Would be down three two, so they'd be trailing and then okay. win game six in Oakland to force a game seven here in Houston, of which the Warriors would win game seven here in Houston. So if the Rockets were down trailing in the series three, two, which in both of you guys' predictions of Warriors and Six, that's what the scenario would be. Right. Then I would not I'd be shocked if the Rockets would muster up enough to win game six to tie the series out three to force a game seven. But, since I've already said in two other outlets, Warriors in seven, I got to stick with it. So I'm going to say Warriors in seven. Bottom line is, okay. I don't believe the Rockets can beat the Warriors four times. That's really what it comes down to. Five, six, seven, whatever. I don't believe it's going be the Rockets can beat the Warriors four Not times. Not
1: over a two-week period. I don't uh, Well, at least, Let's just say a week and a half. I, that, I hadn't seen the schedule, but that's pretty much what what it looks like, right? Uh, a two-week schedule, a week and a half. Uh, no, it's three-week schedule. It's way, way more than a week
0: and a half. Game and one so is Monday, a, game two, two is three. Wednesday, game three is Sunday. Oh yeah, no, I don't, I don't see that. And i will be honest with you.
1: Coming in in this series, especially over the last three days, it's been a lot of yapping. Been a lot of yapping <laughs> from the from the front office all the way down to the court. You show right. Tomorrow night, that first quarter is going to set the tone. Yeah, but in what? In well, what in and where the Rockets are basketball wise, and where Golden State decides, okay, we got a feeling now. You guys ain't backing down. But, why well, because I'm seeing, I see, me personally, I see an old school. Inside post play, but I see a new school where these guys are be throwing down jumpers from all over the place on both sides, and somebody is gonna blink. But go back to, to your point about evening.
0: about the yapping from the Rockets. Who, 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 who what kind of yapping? Too many folks are on social media and talking
1: about, "We ready." It's who we want. Other guys in postgame at interviews saying, okay, we coming. You better get ready. That <laughs> is, this is why we play games. Well, tomorrow we're going to sit up and watch. It's either going to be a screaming and hollering when the game is over or it's going to be quiet as a cat mouse. It's going to be tomorrow, quarter one. First playoff minutes is going to set the tone for the rest of this series. Because somebody's going to blink. Doc. My gut tells me it's going to be the Rockets.
0: Doc, what do you say about yeah, that? I, I think that uh, as a fan, I think it makes it entertaining. I think if you're a coach, you're dreading all this. <laughs> you're like, alright guys, let's play. Give no one more eminence than they have to, but in professionals, and it's not like they're not going to try any more harder to win a series to get the ultimate chance at uh, winning the championship. So I think to some degree that's kind of overhyped, uh, but I certainly think it's fun for the fans to hear all this slicing and back and forth and, may, and draws a lot more interest, and that's what uh, the NBA is doing really well right now. It certainly has my interest. Uh, I'm entertained. Just about the talent, the style of play is very open. Uh, big shot coming back. So I hope the series goes six, not just so my analysis is correct with uh, obviously the Warriors winning in six. So I can really stick out my chest, but more just for entertainment value and to be able to watch some really good basketball. I hope uh, the, the play is high and I hope it goes six. I'm uh, really interested in the first. Game, just in terms of to get an idea in a lot of ways how the series will be played uh, in terms of the, the, the matchup back and forth and the pushing, if you want to call it that, in, in this of people trying to make a statement. But similar, uh, not to drag it back to that, but similar to what happened today with Boston really taking it to Cleveland. Uh, it's no need to overhype one game. Uh, because that's what we love about basketball. It is a series, and as we've heard, the old cliche, it really doesn't get going until uh team loses on the home court. So unless Golden State can come in and get it in Houston uh, tomorrow, uh, it's going to take a couple of games before we really find out what's going to take place really in either one of these matchups. So I look forward to kind of watching it go down and uh, being able to get back on here next week so we can even really get into some analysis of what's taking place for our podcast listeners next week. And let me toss in a few things. Um, It seems that media in the Houston area and the Bay Area are trying to, to take turns stirring the pot. And I'll give two examples. I think in January... Um, earlier this season when the Rockets beat the Warriors after the game, Clint Capella said in so many words, we're a better team. We're better than they are. Today, um, media availability before practice. A member of the media asked Clint um, if he still believed the Rockets were better than the Warriors. That's a setup question. Clint paused, and because you could tell he, that he had been thinking about it or had been prepped for this question, he paused <laughs> and paused, and he and he said, and his answer was, "Our goal is to win a championship." So let me see if I can pull
1: up the uh, <laughs> This just sounds too funny.
0: Let me. Oh, no, 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 because what I'm going is, is completely different. When asked if he still believes his Rockets are better than the Warriors, Clint Capella said, quote, I believe we have a team capable of winning a championship. So if I think that we can win a championship, then yes, I think we are better. Simple quote. That's our bulletin board material. No problem. The area right. media it a completely different way and said, Capella thinks Rockets are better than the Warriors. I know what the man said. <laughs> you got you got Warrior fans talking smack after the tweet and the post, so we'll show them like 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 they gonna play. We're gonna show them, we're gonna show Pe- Capella who's, what he who, whatever. So what's not what the man said, but the Bay Area media is trying to spin it and get more clicks, more views, and spun it a different way. Some have even the last few days that said some of my colleagues have said, watch how the warriors spend stuff. They're looking for a chip. They're the favorite in the series, and they are, because we just, all of us stick in to win the series. They're the favorite in the right. series, but look how they're going to spend things to try to look for any little nugget to be, oh, we're the underdogs. Oh, they don't believe they can do it again. We got Y'all are favorites. So why are you going to try to spend anything to give you some extra push that you think you need? You think folks are doubting you. National media, you poll all of them. You poll the majority of the national media, and I promise you, the majority of them picking the Warriors winning this series. For one basic fact, which we all touched on, the defending champs, we don't believe the Rockets can beat the Warriors four times. So why the Warriors are choosing this woe is me, people are doubting us mentality, you know, that's on them. Second, a member of the local media Ask let's see at rocket practice today and warriors practice, try to spin it, try to get people to bite on this question. Is okay. what do you think about the chippiness between Chris Paul and Draymond Green? Nobody took debate. But the person continued to ask the question <laughs> to you. what do you think about the chippiness between Chris Paul and Draymond Green? So clearly, that's the angle of his story. That he's been asked to write. So you can tell us it's, it's a he. You know, I'm not high behind the facts. lot you know, women are in sports media as well, but this was a guy. I won't say the outlet. You can figure it out. You can look around and look for it tomorrow. And he tried over and over asking the same question to, see, who spoke today? Clint, Mike Antoni, Steve Kerr. James Harden, Clay Thompson, and Steph, Steph Curry, none of them took the bait. All of them, in so many words, said, it's playoffs. What do you expect it to be? It's not going to be some love-in. It's going to be mutual respect. We respect them. They respect us. If you get chippy, you get chippy. That's all it is. And left it at that. Same basic answer from everybody. So why is media, see, this is where media takes some hits. They don't need, Mm -hmm. you finish stuff, you look at stuff that ain't there. This series, between the top two offensive teams and two of the top in history in offensive efficiency are going to play in this series. That alone should be enough for you to write enough articles to drum up interest. How are the Warriors going to defend James Hart? How are they going to defend Chris Paul? What are they going to do to slow down the law past the Clint Capella? How are the Rockets going to defend Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson? Who's better coach, Steve Curry and Mike D'Antoni? Will it go the full seven games? Will the fact that the Rockets have home court and the Warriors don't have home court, would that be a big difference in this series? Need to make up other stuff and deal with what you got right there that I just mentioned? And the guy who did it, I didn't have much respect for him to begin with because he, he kind of does this. I noticed it a few times this season. So I really wouldn't surprised they did it again today. And so, like I said, if you find an article and you ever read an article, you'll know what I'm talking about because it'll be out there. I just shook my head at He just over and over and over tried to get, you know, needle. Get the little golden nugget answer that he was looking for. He never got it. But I, I go back to what you fellas said. If the Warriors lose game one, it won't be as big a deal to them, in my opinion, than if the Rockets lose game one. Chris Paul says right. again today you can go to my uh, YouTube channel, Houston Roundball Review, and hear the entire interview. And basically, CP3 said, we have been gearing up, we've been working toward this moment all season. Now, it's all about game one. That's his quote. It's all about game one. Yep. Yep. So, they have home court. Clearly, if the Rockets lose tomorrow, it's just one loss. Yes, it'll be a home court loss, but hell, they lost at home to Utah. Once Utah I won twice. Obviously, the Warriors are better than Utah. I know that. But it's not like <laughs> the Rockets haven't won in Oakland earlier this season. So they, you know, they've done it before. These two teams are evenly matched when it comes to fire pop. The Rockets have a tendency, specifically James Harden, to turn the ball over, especially carelessly, just like, brain cramp moments when you, James, what what was that? What kind of pass was that? Yeah. What were you thinking kind of thing? If he does that against the Warriors, the Rocks are in trouble. But, the Rocks, like I say, they got the firepower, they can go toe-to-toe with the Warriors, shot for shot. But when it comes down to it, in my opinion, Kevin Durant, is seven feet tall. Yeah. P.J. Tucker is six That's foot amazing. five. Luke Bamute, six foot seven. Trevor, a six foot eight. Durant, get down the block. Turn and shoot. That's at least four inches over everybody, the other three defenders that they would throw at it. At least four, if not as many as seven in PT Tucker. So if it comes down to it, Durant, turn and shoot all day long over it. Anybody rocking throw at it except from Capella. And they won't do that because Durant taking him out three point line and try to blow by, be my super. Kevin Durant could have a huge series in, you know, in this matchup. And one last thing, fellas, just go, give me your take on it. Warriors five, best five, Rockets best five. Warriors best five, this is what I'm going to toss out. Steph, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, Kevin Durant. Those five, who are the Rockets' best five to go against that five, in your
1: opinion?
0: Woo! Rocky, go first. Man. That's a really good question in terms of Rockets' top five players to look at. So, obviously, you're going to go with James Harden, Chris Paul. And I hesitate and I know some people call Clint Capella part of this new big three, but I'm not sure if he really works for this matchup, which I think in a lot of ways you're alluding to. Mm -hmm. So hold off on him. So Gerald Green
1: Mm
0: -hmm. from Ariza. And I'm going to say in a lot of ways that you're going to need the Rockets to be able to go small with that matchup that you just talked about with the Warriors. So I'm going to go with Eric Gordon. Okay. Wildcat. Well, okay. Stay for the floor instead of in finding the, find a the way. But I think somehow the Rockets are going to have to force the Warriors to go big. Keep Clint out there and somehow get Iggy off the court. Rocket, you're five. Rockets best five. This <laughs> five against that particular group. Uh, we know Harden, Chris Paul. No, okay. that's two of the five. No, that we know that. Okay, now, and see that's what it's, and. Well, let,
1: let, me, let me back up. Maybe they're. If your five is different, I don't want to speak for you. Go ahead. You give me your five. No, no, no. Cause I know, No, because I got to have them two guys out on the floor. Okay. I got to have those two. Uh, that, that's like a given just because of the matchups outside. The other thing is, and this is the, the X factor, at, at two positions. One, how long can you, if, you, if somebody has been on the bench that you hadn't trusted with a defensive assignment, all season, now you're finna to trust that person with a defensive assignment or a series. That means night in and night out. Either that, that swing, these two positions, guarding the rent and guarding the post is where your X-factor is going to come in. Klay Thompson um, is somebody that you're looking at that you could probably put uh Areza on, um, over a short period because both of those guys play off the ball and they, they, are, they are working grind to get that shot. Draymond is just a grinder. I mean, that's just who he is. So I'm going to start out, um, at least for the first four minutes, if I can go, if I can go, at least to the first media timeout right, with Nene. Just because I want,
0: no, 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 I'm no, no. You, you're on. overthinking this.
1: Give me the best, five, no, the no. That's best just, five. you you asking me now? Now you asking me? You you, you asking me over over that particular five who I'm going to start the game with over that particular no, I, no. five? See, I didn't, I didn't say starting the game.
0: I just said Warriors five of Clay Thompson, Steph. Raymond, Iguodala, and Kevin Durant. I didn't say that was the
1: starting start right. five. That may be the last five okay, minutes of well, the game. Well then I'm gonna go with this. I'm gonna go with this then. Uh CP, James, Areza, Nene, and uh, Eric Gordon. And
0: who is they may- they may- gonna go?
1: Who? Who? Yeah. Who was Lenny going to guard? I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put him on Draymond to put just a body on him. That's what I'm. That you asking me? Yes. What What I would put against that group, and that's what I'm. And that's where I'm going with that.
0: Okay. But then, um, excuse me. Draymond will run the offense and be above three point line pretty much the whole time. So that means Nene would be away from the bucket, trying to guard Drea above the three-point line. But my overall point, your five, Doc's five. Clint Capella is not part of that five. My five, he's not part of that five. My five is James, Chris, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, and Trevor. or Luke, because you got we all got got good defensive tribe. players, but those guys each can shoot threes as well. The player can't do that. All of, everybody, those ten players are facing the floor, and they are. And those 10 players are good defensive players. Some are better one-on-one defenders than others, but they are all perimeter players. No post-up players, no big post-up players, because different guys of those 10 have low post skills. Chris Paul, especially Durant as well, and some Clay Thompson also. So sprinkling in a few low post you know, scores. Among those 10. But this is where the NBA has become. Has evolved. Yeah. So. That. That's a chess match. So that's what yep. I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm looking forward to that. I am uh, echo what Doc said earlier. I hope it's a competitive series. Hope it's. Highly competitive basketball. Highly. Executed basketball. I don't want sloppiness and bricklaying by both squads um, because there is a, a thing, such a thing as bad offense as opposed to good defense. That's not bad the same basketball thing.
1: Bad basketball.
0: So yeah. I'm expecting, hoping that we see good basketball and hoping for at least six games and not seven game series. And the Rockets as. Wildcat can can add to, are having block parties, basically, block parties for games one and two, Monday and Wednesday. They're having road closures around Toyota Center downtown on, um see, Polk, LeBranch and is it Crawford and Dallas, I believe. Yeah. So they're advising fans to get there early. You can go to my Houston Round Barview men's hoops blog to get to us read some quotes from President and CEO Tad Brown when he spoke about it. You can see a, little, a map of the closures as well. So go to HoustonRoundBarReview.com, click on the Tooth blog. I'm posting, trying to post the videos as often as I can. Or we'll are just go straight to the Houston Round Bar you YouTube channel and see today's videos from Steph Curry, Mike D'Antoni, James Harden, Clint Capella, and Chris Paul. Other videos as well, interviews are up there. Also from a few days ago, including Joe Green when he had his blowout afro, letting his hair breathe before he had to braid it braided again into to the uh, Rockets' R symbol. So his interview looks like Musie Norris with the afro. Remember how Moosey used to look with his hair blowing in the wind. <laughs> kind of thing. You can also go <laughs> oh, ahead and, and read uh, Gerald's comments on how much he loves H Town, how much he represents for a city. That's on the, the um, Houston Roundup Review Men's House blog as well. So a lot of different things are going on for all of us. You got baseball, softball, basketball. One, one last time, gentlemen, how can folks find you on the internet? And we'll wrap it up. You can find me at uh Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, Dr. Kenyatta Kavil, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can also find me every Tuesday from 545 to 715 at KKBQ ninety-two point nine FM H D two. Uh you can watch that streaming at ww.kqh T V dot com that's k u h dash tv dot com uh, as you can catch us in the old KCH historic looking glass studio uh, but you can also catch it on the Facebook as we do Facebook live and again that's Dr Kenyatta Cavill D R K E N Y A T T A C
1: A V I L okay you can find me online at Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, Tweet, day, tweet deck, and Jerry L. Woodley Jr., J. L. Woodley One, SoundCloud, YouTube, blogger Blogspot, AKSVDCSR, the College Sports Report,
0: and I am Chris Gardner, KG of the Houston Roundball Review, HoustonRoundballreview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. And YouTube our, our podcasts are available on Google Play, Pod, uh, SoundCloud, Pod Directory. Any of the podcasts, majority of the podcast players our podcasts are available there. I'm also on Twitter, Twitter at VHR. Review. Thank you very much to basketball fans because've uh, got a lot of subscribers, new subscribers on the YouTube channel. New subscribers are on the Instagram channel receive kudos from the Instagram videos that I posted the last few days. So appreciate that. Tell your friends about it as well. I'm going to keep doing it as long as Rockets are playing basketball this season. i going to ride with the Rockets. So thank you very much for that. Gentlemen, i going to wrap it up. As I always, do, of course, thank you for your time, your insight on uh, Coach Graham and the HBCU update from you, doc. That's what we do here on our podcast. Had a few bugs work out, We're trying to iron them out and eliminate them going forward. Just do what we can, the best we can. Going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.